So Money episode 54, Shema Hyder. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Today's guest is a millennial superstar and a visionary strategist for the digital age. She is the CEO and founder of the Marketing Zen Group, an integrated online marketing and PR firm, a best-selling author and highly acclaimed speaker who is frequently invited to share the stage with the world's top leaders and luminaries, such as the president, and was named one of the top 30 under 30 entrepreneurs by Business Week in 2013 and a top 30 under 30 movers and shakers by Forbes just this year. Her name is Shema Hyder. Three takeaways from our time with Shema. One, the biggest mistake that companies and individuals make online when it comes to their social media strategy. Are you doing this? How Shema managed to graduate from college debt-free, and yes, you can too. (laughs) And what Shema would do if she won $100 million tomorrow. I loved her answer, and I cannot wait to share it with you. Here is Shema Hyder. Shema Hyder, welcome to So Money. So honored to have you on the show. Thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. You know, you are uh, such a dynamic leader and influencer in the world of marketing. I just want to brag about you for for a second. You're the best-selling author of The Zen of Social Media Marketing. Uh, You were a top 30 under 30 entrepreneurs in America uh, by Inc. Magazine in 2013. How does feel to be uh, so honored like that. Yeah, you know, it, it is an honor. And I feel like um, I feel like a lot of it is right time, right place. And just, you know, and feeling really lucky and grateful for, for so much which has happened in my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's always been a very humbling experience. And the White House uh, identified you as one of the top 100 U.S. companies. Your company, I should say, was identified as one of the top 100 companies to be run by a young entrepreneur um, by Impact 100. Tell us a little bit about uh, your business and how how your journey unfolded. Sure. So my company is called the Marketing Zen Group. We're an integrated online marketing and digital PR firm. So what that essentially means is that we do um, all online marketing for clients, content, social search, so forth, uh, getting them leads and visibility. Um, started the company right out of graduate school, did my thesis on Twitter when it had 2000 users, uh, <laughs> I was really excited about social media and, um, and grateful for the opportunity to be somewhat of a pioneer in the social media marketing space and, uh, ended up writing a book called the Zen of social media marketing, which is now in its third edition, going to be in its fourth edition soon. Um, and, and grew from, you know, the company from being a social media consulting company to being an integrated online marketing digital PR firm, uh, we're a team of 30 now and have just grown, uh, and just had massive growth since our start. And it's just, it's been a great experience, a lot of learning, a lot of growing, 
um, a lot of hopefully giving back too. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the biggest mistake that companies big and small make when it comes to their online branding presence and, and I guess also their social media? Sure. Um, you know, the biggest thing that comes to mind is, is consistency and consistency isn't very sexy. And I know that, (laughs) but so much of online marketing that you see that's done badly or doesn't give people the ROI is it's one shot marketing, you know, where people think, Oh, one, we send an email once and it should do something, or we set up a Facebook page. It's not doing anything, but really online marketing to be successful. Like so many other things in life takes consistency. It takes patience. It takes strategy. Uh, and you really have to pull all these pieces together to to build something and to get true ROI out of it. And I feel like a lot of businesses still miss that. Well, I love bringing people with business smarts and uh, entrepreneurial know-how to the show because I think that um, you guys know a thing or two about money. You know how to make it. You know how to build <laughs> it. You know how to reinvest. And so... Uh, would love to, to start off the So Money Q&A with you now, Shema. The first question I always ask my guests is, what is your money mantra? You know, your financial philosophy that guides you, that keeps your money safe and protected. You know, if I had to sum it up in one word, Farnoosh, it would really be abundance. I think there's just two mindsets people come from, and a, a mentality of abundance where there's always more, where there's, you know, there's always more where that came from. You're going to keep growing or there's a, a mentality of lack. You know, there's, there's the let's hoard it. Let's hang on to it. And I'm not saying not to be smart and save, but I think just always coming from a mindset of abundance and that somehow, you know, whatever you want, the needs will be met. Um, and I, I feel really grateful. I think I have to my parents to thank for that sort of mentality, but it's definitely an abundance mentality. Yeah, you talk about your parents and and sort of parlays us into the next question, which is, you know, talking about your upbringing, maybe an experience in childhood that that shaped your current sort of ideologies about money and philosophy on money. What's a money memory for you that really sticks out? Sure. Um, You know, what's so funny is that I, I think all kids of immigrant parents have certain commonalities when it comes to money. And I'm not even first generation, you know, um, I, I came here to the country when I was nine. And uh, so I, I feel like I grew up with a lot of respect for money without necessarily seeing it as the end all and be all of things. Um, I was always an entrepreneur. My sister, actually, my younger sister compares me to Dora the Explorer when I was younger. <laughs> Um, if you're familiar with that yes, girl yes. has a backpack and a monkey and a plan and is kind of a little hustler in her own right. Um, and I was definitely like that. I remember starting a club at church, um, where I collected a dollar a piece uh, until the parents complained to my mom. And I learned my first lesson, which is to collect money, you have to give something of value in exchange, something that other people value as well. <laughs> um, so my first lesson in, in money. That's great. I'm also a daughter of immigrants and um, you kind of said it perfectly where, you know, you always grew up sensing sort of a respect for money. Um, Not like, you know, I grew up wanting to chase after money or, or feeling like um, money was the end all, uh, but, but certainly had a, 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 an appreciation for it because I saw how hard my parents worked. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, not to be a Debbie Downer, but let's talk a little bit about a financial fail that you experienced. As we know, failure often leads to success. So what would in your life, in your experience, be a, a 
a definitive financial fail <laughs> failure that uh, you learned a tremendous amount from and that perhaps even turned itself around and became a success down the road? Yeah, you know, and I really think it's a mindset thing. And, I, and I'd heard this advice and I'd never really taken it to heart until I had uh, another, an experience myself, which was if you loan money, you know, to friends and family, just consider it a gift. Don't see it as a loan. Um, and you learned this the hard way. <laughs> I did. I did. You know, and it's so funny because it was paid back, but it's just, it's so funny because I, I feel like it, um, it tests relationships in a way that you don't imagine. And, um, cause people have such different views on money and it's such a sensitive subject in so many ways. Um, and it's just, it's, it's one rule that I have now. I don't loan, I'll gift it, but I won't loan it. Uh, <laughs> yes. Because I, I just feel like it really adds a layer of complication to relationships. So what was the riff? I mean, uh, without maybe, maybe you don't want to, um, you know, expose this, this family member, but you know, what was ultimately the, the problem that arose from, from quote unquote lending money? Sure. I think it's just sort of the anxiety around it all, right. In terms of, um, not necessarily being paid back when, when someone said they're going to pay you back. And I just think it causes unnecessary tensions. Um, not that anything dramatic or bad played out. It's just something I learned about myself during Mm -hmm. that process. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to go to your friends and family and ask for your money back. I mean, I always say it's like they had the, the courage and the, the, I guess the audacity to ask us for the money, we should have just as much audacity and courage to ask for it back. Yeah. Or <laughs> but we don't. I, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with just gift it. Yeah, no. exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of us can relate to that sort of failure. Well, let's turn it around and talk about something you're really proud of financially, a so money moment, as I call it on the show, a time in your life when you had a financial win. Take us to that specific time, tell us the story, and share with us the steps that you took to achieve that moment. Sure. So financial win for me, actually, I was really young. I was um, 18, and I just graduated high school, and I managed to cobbled together so many scholarships that I got a full ride to school. Um, and for me, that was such a financial win because it wasn't necessarily that I was earning money, you know, question mark in some way. Um, <laughs> but it was so much more that I was proactive and you don't, you just don't realize like the power of small scholarships. Cause I had some from a women's group and a local group and, and all these things that had applied for like a textbook scholarship and whatnot, but it all added up, you know, um, and it allowed me to go to school and get out debt free. And for me, when I see a lot of peers um, who have struggled with student loans and debt, I feel like that I need some really smart financial educational decisions. And I think the key for a lot of people, younger listeners and those of us wanting to go back to school, the thing about scholarships is I think we often feel defeated before we even apply. So we don't apply. You know, oh, this doesn't apply to me. I'm never going to qualify. I'm never going to win. But uh, you just have to go for it. And really, it's a numbers game. The more you apply for, the more likely you'll get some. Absolutely. So much of life, I think, is is the more you do it, the better your chances. (laughs) You know, that is so smart, Shema, because I think often when it comes to scholarships, we feel defeated before ever applying. And so we don't even apply. We feel like the qualifications are beyond us or we're never going to, you know, win because maybe there's too much competition, but truly we just have to go for it and cast a wide net, right? So well said, Farnoosh. And I think it's what you said earlier too, having sort of the audacity and courage to 
go after certain things. And now, you know, you may get them, you may not, but you're, you're really, it, I mean, as cliched as this is, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Um, and I certainly didn't expect to get those scholarships, but sometimes just the pool of people was so small applying because, you know, they didn't, um, they weren't proactive enough to research it or the scholarship hadn't done a very good job of marketing itself. So I think in some way it pays to be a good researcher and to do your homework. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that is amazing. A full ride to college. I think a lot of us could use that these days. <laughs> your So Money ritual. Shema, this is a part of the show where I like to inquire about maybe a financial habit or uh, behavior that is consistent that you consciously do that helps you keep your money where it needs to be. Um, you know, practically speaking, I check my account every week, my bank accounts, um, just to keep a good pulse on, on where things stand. I mean, I think for different people, it helps to do it um, at different times. Just, I guess it depends on if it causes you anxiety or if it makes you feel good about it. Or, But I, I do a very good job, I feel like, of keeping a good pulse on my finances. One thing that I developed a habit of, which I am sad to say that it took me longer than it should have, was I didn't always check my credit card receipts, you know, or like the statements. Um, because I, I don't know why I just felt like, well, it, it all looks good. It's all accurate, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, but recently, as I've gone through that, I've noticed certain discrepancies. And I feel like that's just a good habit to cultivate. Mm-hmm. Here, here. Well, this is a, a fun kind of... Uh finale to So Money, where I ask a series okay. of quick questions. I leave the last part of the, well, it's actually, so I'm going to start that over again. <laughs> so this is the finale of So Money. Shema, you've been a phenomenal guest so far, and I would love to hear you finish the following sentences. And please, the first thing that pops into your mind, just say it out loud. No filter. Okay. All right, Shema, if I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say $100 million, I would... I would seriously do something about the Syrian refugee children issue. There's been about 2 million kids who've been displaced in the last four years in the Syrian civil war. And uh, if, if I won the lotto for a hundred million, I would definitely want to do something about that. Oh my gosh. That's the one, probably the best answer I've heard so oh, far. <laughs> so yeah. And I, I, I thoroughly agree with you. It's just so devastating what's happening over there. I was watching uh, 60 minutes the other night and they were talking about, um, the lack of food in Syria and, you know, really the almost intentional, you know, um, Oh yeah. uh, And, you know, Varnish, it's going to take another two generations for them to recover from this. I mean, that's the worst part. The schools are closed and and it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a very heartbreaking issue. And, uh, if by some miraculous chance I ended up with a, a lot of moolah, mm-hmm. then that's, you know, I would love to set up a school there or pull kids out of that situation. Just, I mean, it's, you know, it's terrible to see that generation. I, I just, I don't know what the future looks wiped like. Wiped out, that, totally wiped out. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I, Shema, spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is? Oh, <laughs> food? I <laughs> no really because I, I even in school I always ate well. I'm not a fast food kind of girl. I believe in enjoying a good meal. I feel like a lot of what I do is so I can enjoy a good meal in peace. And if I'm not doing that, then what's the point? Um, so yeah, I, I I enjoy good eating. I'm definitely a foodie. Now 
are you cooking this food or are you oh, ordering God, no. this food? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny because I do love to cook. I just my uh, my travel schedule and work just doesn't always allow for it. But I'm I'm happy to pay tribute to some of the best chefs in the world. I, I'm good with that. Right on. And and as someone who lives in New York, I concur. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So maybe this is the same answer, but hopefully you can give us a, a different twist on this. But my guilt, my biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on guilty pleasure. Oh, that's easy. Easily my wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> that's easy. Tell me everything about how much you spend in your favorite designers. Yes, there's there's that. Uh, yeah, I just I'm such a I'm such a girly girl. For people who know me, I'm um and I you know I enjoy shopping. I was joking with a friend the other day that if it was an Olympic sport, I would take home the gold. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I do I enjoy. Um, I think this just goes back to being me being a tourist for Nusha. I, I like food. I like clothes. You know, I I like um I like a certain lifestyle. So my guilty pleasure. The one thing I wish I'd known about money growing up, sounds like you had a pretty solid foundation uh, growing up in, in money and um, how to you know, build your career. But what would you say? I mean, we all sort of have the woulda, shoulda, couldas or the I wish I had known. I started saving even earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel like I really started saving until I got out of school. Um, and uh, I think it would have been smart. I, I don't, you know, even putting a little bit away, it's just, it's not a habit my parents cultivated in us. My parents were not big savers in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of more like live for the moment, which is great, you know, great philosophy in itself. But I, I do wish I'd started saving sooner. And are you diligent with saving? Do you, I mean, a lot of our guests, they appropriate a specific amount every month to savings or their investments. Are you like that? Uh, you know, I, I am extremely diligent about that. I... I don't have a specific amount that I feel like I set aside. It's more like, okay, I'm going to limit my expenses to this and then everything else will automatically be savings. I see. Mm-hmm. All right. When I do donate money, I like to give to blank because? Um, I like to give to the Aga Khan Foundation. Um, it's, a, it's a really big nonprofit that does a lot of work in third world countries, in education, in uh, rural areas. I like giving where I feel like it's going to make a direct impact um, in areas where I nece- I wouldn't necessarily be able to do so single-handedly. And finally, I'm so money because... I'm so money because I feel like I'm a student of life. Um, I don't ever stop learning. I always feel like there's more to, to do and learn and be. I really am like... I am the epitome of Dora the Explorer. I think my youngest sister, like she, I think she totally got it. I think she gets me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I see myself as an explorer and a learner. And I just actually finished reading Tony, Tony Robbins' new book um, on money. And I, I learned a lot. I didn't know about index funds and so forth. And I'm still new to the world of investing aside from, you know, investing in tech mm-hmm. companies and startups. So I'm, I'm learning a lot and uh, I, I enjoy that process. I enjoy the process of being a student. Well, you know, I had Tony on the show and one of the things he, he shared with me was that people who think they know everything don't grow. Um, totally. They totally don't agree. get to the next level. So this is why Tony's so smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it, that's so funny. Yeah. I think it's, um, I, I think there's something to be said about enjoying the process too. 
Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, so much of money has been a game. Like work is a game, life is a game. And I don't mean in the sense of like competitive must win game, but really sort of enjoying the time that I have here on planet Earth to play this game, you know? And in the end, it doesn't matter because all the little pieces go back in the Monopoly box anyways. Yes. Well said. Shema Hyder, thank you so much for joining us. Um, We want to uh, send people your way. So tell us where we can find you. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Farnoosh, first off. Uh, They can find me at, well, my company site is marketingzen.com. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at, at Shama, S-H-A-M-A. And uh, you, know, you can also find me on Facebook at uh, Shama Hyder Profile. So if you just, really, if you just Google, um, Google my name, you'll find all the platforms and you can choose your poison. Hey, by the way, Shama, since you're the expert, how do we boost our Twitter engagement and how do we get more followers without literally buying them? Because I find that that's yeah, great, one of the scammy question. things people do. Yeah. Sure. So, um Happy to answer. Here's what I would recommend. You know, the old metric of even getting followers is so outdated on Twitter because people just don't engage on Twitter like they used to, meaning chances of someone getting followers, no matter how awesome they are, are just slimmer now. It's not like a small town where a few thousand people all followed each other. What's There's better metrics out there. And you, these are, you know, how many click-throughs do you get? How many views are you getting to your articles? How many retweets? These types of, you know, measuring engagement in this way and on this level is so much more fruitful and a better, uh, better spend of your dollars and your time. Mm. And it results in a much higher ROI as well. So I would say really look to driving people back to your site, getting them to click through, share, use hashtags, which are a great way, you know, people organize information through hashtags all the time. So I may see someone's tweets if I'm following that hashtag, but I may never choose to follow them. Um, and, and vice versa, and that's okay. So I really think the sort of notion of how to get more followers in itself is outdated. Yeah. So don't think of it as so much as a numbers game, but making the most of the numbers you have. Yeah. And, and, the, and the right numbers. So how much traffic is Twitter, for example, driving your site? That's a big one. Okay. All right. That's a really, really good tip. I'm glad I asked. I'm glad you did too. While I had you, wanted to take it, seize the opportunity. Shema Hyder, thank you so much. Have a phenomenal 2015. We'll be watching you and we'll be make sure to, we'll make sure to put all the links to find you on somoneypodcast.com. Likewise, Farnoosh. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, that's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Shema, please head over to her personal and company website, shemahyder.com. That's S-H-A-M-A-H-Y-D-E-R.com. Also, marketingzen.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at Shema. You should also check out her book, The Zen of Social Media Marketing. We've got all this info at somoneypodcast.com along with the transcript and comments from this episode. And keep your questions coming. Head over to somoneypodcast.com. Click on Ask Farnoosh. You know it. Weekends, it's you and me time. I respond to your questions about money as honestly and as informatively as I can. And no question is a bad question. And if you don't feel like asking a question, maybe you have a comment. Maybe you have some thoughts you'd like to share. I am all ears. And if you love what you're hearing and you would like to share your thoughts about the podcast, please spend a minute or two to leave a review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. It is probably the best thing you can do to support this podcast, in addition to, of course, listening and subscribing. 
it turns out that in order to get good placement in the iTunes store and for people to find you organically, you want to be a popular podcast. You want to have some reviews. And it is not a coincidence that the most popular podcasts, the ones that get great positioning in the iTunes store, have lots and lots of favorable reviews. So if you like the show, I would love a review. And when you do, please notify me by email. Email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com and let me know that you left a review because every week I will give away a free 15-minute money session to one lucky reviewer, voice-to-voice, one-on-one, and I will give you undivided attention for those 15 minutes. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope your day is so money.